Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story: Chinese-made gun safes opened by a six-year-old boy. The U.S. recalling over 120,000 biometric gun safes, saying they pose risk of death. What consumers should do if they have one at home? Chinese police stationed in Hawaii's closest Pacific neighbor. What they're doing and what we know about this island nation. Mountain wildfires stretching for 12 days, severely disrupting traffic and agriculture, while extreme cold temperatures cause a major highway accident in another city. And Chinese people are reporting rising local death counts. Statements suggest the situation is happening across the country. NTD spoke to several of them about why. Biometric gun safes posing risk of death. U.S. Consumer Product and Safety Commission recalling over 120,000 gun safes Thursday. That's because their biometric safety lock feature doesn't always work properly, and unauthorized users may be able to open them using their own fingerprints. There have been over 90 such incidents, including one where a six-year-old boy was able to open one of the safes. The faulty gun safes are made in China. No injuries have been reported so far. Here are the models getting recalled: Macir biometric personal safes, all safe biometric gun safes, firearm safes from the brand Mutec, and a few models of pistol bolts sold by Bulldog Cases. They're sold at Walmart and Base Pro Shops across America and online through Amazon. If you have one of these safes at home, here's what to do. The commission says owners should immediately stop using the biometric lock feature, remove the batteries, and use only the physical keys to open and secure it. The recall comes on the heels of a similar one last October. A gun safe brand called Fortress Safe recalled 60,000 products after the death of a 12-year-old boy. The boy managed to open a Fortress gun safe at home and died from a lethal gunshot wound to the head. His parents sued Fortress Safe over the incident. The recalled Fortress gun safes were also imported from China. Chinese police patrolling on an island nation about 1,000 miles from Hawaii. Kiribati is a strategically important country, and it's Hawaii's closest neighbor in the Pacific. The nation of 115,000 residents controls one of the biggest exclusive economic zones in the world. It also hosts a Japanese satellite tracking station. Kiribati officials told Reuters that Chinese police are working with local police there and assisting in a crime database program. The country hasn't publicly announced the policing deal with China. China has been making inroads into the Pacific region. Kiribati switched ties from Taiwan to Beijing in 2019, with the country's president encouraging Chinese investment in infrastructure. In 2022, Beijing signed a security pact with the Solomon Islands, another Pacific nation about 2,000 miles off the coasts of Australia. Senator Marco Rubio is sounding the alarm on the danger of a possible Chinese cyber attack. He warned on social media that the widespread U.S. cell service outage on Thursday is significantly smaller than what a Beijing-backed attack could inflict. Tens of thousands of people on a down detector and elsewhere complained their AT&T or Cricket service was out on Thursday. AT&T, which owns Cricket, confirmed the outage. By the afternoon, the company stated that about 75% of its service was restored. 
Rubio said he doesn't know what caused the outage, but said it would be 100 times worse if China launched a cyber attack on America on the eve of a Taiwan invasion. The Republican senator says such an attack wouldn't just involve cell service, but would also affect power, water and bank systems. Newly leaked documents revealing the extent of China's state surveillance operations. How could the Chinese regime use the hacked information for their benefit? NTD's Don Ma spoke to retired Brigadier General Robert Spaulding for details. He's the former senior director of strategic planning for the White House National Security Council. General Spaulding, thanks for being here with me. Uh, first question I want to ask you is, are we learning about uh, the Chinese regime surveillance operations now that we didn't know before? Well, I don't think I'm surprised. You know, the Chinese Communist Party uses this methodology to attack the free world. Uh, their biggest uh, you know, enemy is the United States. And they have enormous resources. They have a lot of people and a lot of money. And, you know, instead of spending it, while they do have a pretty significant military budget, most of their budget is going to use, uh, you know, technologies like this, operations like this to undermine the United States from within using these tools. You know, and we, we don't really do a good job of defending ourselves. And we actually don't really emphasize those capabilities as opposed to the more, you know, kinetic ones like fighter planes and uh, aircraft carriers. So it's just a different way of looking at the world. And I think the Chinese Communist Party, quite frankly, does a better job. Now, one company uh, came out in this uh, leaked document. It's called iSoon. Uh, it's a private security firm based in Shanghai that has ties to the China's uh, top policing agency and military groups. Now, according to the New York Times, they're just one of hundreds of companies that reportedly uh, support state-sponsored hacking efforts. How big of an operation uh, is this, do you think, on a national scale? Well, as you know, the Chinese Communist Party has a role to play in every large Chinese. Severe mountain fires are raging in China's southern province of Guizhou. Over 200 fires sparked within the span of nearly two weeks. Official satellite images reveal that nearly half of the province was engulfed in flames. But local authorities didn't report on the fires until 12 days later, saying at the time that at least two had died. The delay has led to heavy criticism from Chinese citizens, with many questioning whether authorities are trying to cover up the facts. What's more, the disaster wrought havoc on the local agricultural industry. Farmers report scores of pigs and chickens perished, causing great financial losses for local farmers. Video taken on a nearby highway shows thick smoke reaching into the sky and flames along the roadside. Official reports say illegal fire setting might have caused the blaze. So far, 10 have been arrested. Over a hundred cars involved in a massive pileup on an icy expressway in China's eastern Suzhou city. That's according to local media. It's one of the latest accidents caused by extreme weather conditions in the country. Eyewitness video released on Friday showed the aftermath of the collisions. Dozens of cars are seen clumped together on the highway. According to Chinese police, the accident injured at least nine people. Three were sent to the hospital and six sustained minor abrasions. The cause of the accident is still under investigation. 
New details are coming out after a recent incident saw four Chinese nationals enter Taiwanese waters. Two of them died while fleeing Taiwan's Coast Guard, with the other two rescued later. Upon returning to China, the two surviving crew members changed their story during an interview with Chinese state media. That's after they had previously agreed with the Taiwanese Coast Guard's findings that the boat capsized after a high-speed chase. Taiwan Coast Guard boat bumped D at us and caused our boat to overturn. They evaded the key question. Why did their ship try to evade inspection? If they were innocent and accidentally entered Taiwan-controlled waters, they should have accepted inspection by Taiwan's Coast Guard and registration, as has happened before. So why did they flee at high speed? The Taiwanese Coast Guard said the fishing boat's crew refused to allow an inspection of their vessel, a speedboat used for fishing. That's before it flipped over in an attempt to speed away. Beijing claims the crew members are fishermen, but Taiwanese media reports point out that the two surviving crew members do not speak the dialect standard of fishermen in that region. Instead, they appear to have accents from a region 1,000 miles away from Taiwan. In response to the Chinese crew's accusation, Taiwan's Coast Guard said factors like the chase at sea and the short time frame made it impossible to record the incident on camera. But they said the truth wouldn't be compromised and carried out plans to order body cameras for crew members. A new film highlighting tensions over Taiwan could soon hit the silver screen in L.A.'s Dolby Theater. The film is called Island in Between and is up for an Oscar award for Best Documentary Short Film. A screening was held in New York City earlier this week. I hope that our film provides a slice, sort of just a glimpse of, of you know, uh, for the outsiders to look into what it means to live in Taiwan at this time. The timing is special. Many are looking to see if Beijing would invade Taiwan. The Chinese regime sees the island as its territory, despite never having ruled it. The documentary zooms into locals of Kinmen, a group of Taiwanese islands just a few miles from mainland China. Kinmen has been making headlines following the deaths of two Chinese nationals in its surrounding waters. Concerns are growing that the incident could trigger something more serious. Chang said he hopes the film contributes to a deeper understanding of Taiwan among the American public. Whether the Americans know it or not, America, the U.S., has been integral to this particular relationship for 70 years. Um, I think I'm hoping that this film will intrigue the American audience, will uh, will interest them to find out more about Taiwan, will uh, hopefully uh, spark some empathy for the American people to connect to Taiwanese people from, from the heart. The Academy Awards ceremony is scheduled for March 10th. Increasing reports of sudden deaths are looming over Chinese citizens, but the causes behind them seem to remain unclear. NTD talked to several Chinese nationals living in different parts of the country for first-hand information. To protect their identities, NTD distorted their voices. Let's take a listen. Zoom in on the Chinese province of Jiangsu. Based on an official report from last year, Jiangsu ranks fifth among China's most populous provinces. Jiangsu resident Li told NTD that many people there had contracted an infectious disease, presenting symptoms including fever and cough. He said he caught the same cold symptoms, but couldn't determine the cause. Echoing Li's statement, another resident living in Jiangsu said, 
Quiet a few people got this. I think it's COVID. My wife and I were both affected and we just took cold medicine. I don't know what disease it is exactly. The symptoms are like a cold, except patient feels more sore and weak all over the body. We think it may be another infection with a mutated virus. But what's more concerning is the rising death toll among the people catching it. Many people are showing fever symptoms, and many have died recently. They are elderly people, many had heart attacks, and the funeral homes are full and have no place to put them. The disease appears to target all age groups. Recently, there have been many sudden deaths, more heart attacks, cerebral infarctions and strokes. Colleagues in their prime have died of cancer, and young people who should not die normally have died. It feels like a sequel of COVID-19, although no one is mentioning it anymore. The situation extends beyond Jiangsu. Over in the northern province of Heilongjiang, one resident said the people around him are generally weak and susceptible to diseases, and that people in their 50s have also died. This is very serious. Lung cancer and blood clots are more serious with underlying diseases. Over in China's capital city, Beijing, a resident is reporting a similar situation. It's hard to say what this illness is, but it seems like around the Lunar New Year, several people I know in their 50s and 60s have passed away. Some residents have expressed that Chinese state-run media have lost credibility because they're not reporting the deaths. According to what Chinese citizens told us in recent years, the pandemic's true death toll far exceeds the numbers Chinese authorities published. And on the other hand, China's birth rate is also in freefall. Economic uncertainty and high costs of raising children are leading more Chinese women to rethink becoming mothers. Based on China's official data, the number of babies being born now is lower than during the post-World War II era, even though that time spurred China's worse economic depression. The U.S. is taking direct aim at China's most advanced tech manufacturer. Sources tell Reuters the Biden administration is eyeing more sanctions to curb the top Chinese chipmaker from buying up U.S.-made chips. The Commerce Department sent out letters to a number of U.S. chipmakers notifying them their licenses to ship semiconductors to China have been suspended. Now, shipments worth millions of dollars that are en route to China are being held in U.S. ports. The new sanctions target Chinese chipmaker SMIC. The company helped produce a sophisticated chip for Huawei's Mate 60 Pro phone. Beijing touted it as among the world's most advanced, just 7 nanometers. But U.S. officials have cast doubt on whether China is actually capable of producing the technology, let alone mass-producing it. SMIC is on Washington's blacklist for its ties to Beijing's military and the Chinese Communist Party. The Biden administration is under pressure to stop the flow of U.S. technology to China and curb Beijing's ability to get sophisticated chips. Coming up this Saturday on China in Focus, from slashing tour bus tires to hiring internet trolls and inflicting physical attacks, why is the Chinese Communist Party targeting Shenyun, a U.S.-based performance the regime doesn't want you to see? Here we've got sponsors, American companies, trying to sponsor an American company in Shenyun Performing Arts, and the Chinese government is coming in and trying to pressure them not to do that right here in America. 
discover what's really behind over 130 documented incidents of CCP interference against the show and learn why a peaceful meditation practice that's persecuted in China is at the heart of it all. Tune in for an exclusive interview with Levi Browdy, executive director of the Falun Dafa Information Center, on how Beijing manipulates narratives in America. Don't miss it Saturday at 11 a.m. and rerun Sunday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time only on China in Focus. Coming up, China's panda diplomacy is back. Beijing planning to send pandas to the U.S. once again after recalling them during a relations plunge. How tough is it to oust Chinese exporters from U.S. supply chains? Here's a clue. More Chinese goods reaching the U.S. aren't even shipped from China. And an electric car maker from China looking at new export base south of the U.S. border. Discover its target as the Tesla rival eyes expansion near America. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China's panda diplomacy is back on American soil. News broke Thursday that Beijing will send a pair of pandas to the San Diego Zoo later this year. This comes after China took back almost all of the pandas it had loaned to American zoos, an apparent means of retaliation when ties between the two superpowers took a plunge. But a shift in those strained relations came last November after Chinese leader Xi Jinping met with President Biden in San Francisco. Xi suggested pandas could return to the U.S. Beijing is known to use pandas as a form of soft diplomacy. The communist regime sends them to friendly nations on loan and may refuse to extend the bear's visits as punishment for going against Beijing. It costs American zoos $1 million to welcome a pair of pandas for a year. China uses the money to support its conservation research. Bolt Typhoon, a cyber theft group based in China, is attempting to disrupt and even disable Americans' critical infrastructure. That's according to federal security agencies. Earlier, NTD's David Lamb discussed the issue with Epic Times contributor James Gorey. He's also the author of The China Crisis. James, thank you for joining us. Now, what exactly is the Chinese Communist Party telling this cyber theft group to do? Uh, it's called Volt Typhoon. Um, they're tasking them with infiltrating and perhaps uh, destabilizing or disabling our critical infrastructure. What includes water, electricity, power, communications, the internet, military communications. Uh, so it's a it's a big deal. The CCP's surveillance state has mass control over its own population's personal information, which it uses to maintain power and oppress the Chinese people. Tell us, what could the Chinese regime do with this information from the U.S.? Well, it's not so much the information, it's the ability to inhibit our ability to uh, communicate, to run our, our, our infrastructure, water, power, electricity, uh, communication. So it's really a military uh, strategic threat. It's, it's their goal. Of, the goal of Volt Typhoon is to disrupt or uh, interrupt our ability to um, respond militarily, to communicate, to, to launch weapons, to um, get visibility into the internet, to communicate across, across the board. So it's a, very, it's a very comprehensive threat. James, how likely is it that a cyber attack like the one we're talking about could spark military warfare between China and the U.S.? Well, it would be, as, as I mentioned in my article, it would most likely precede a kinetic warfare uh, attack. In other words, you want to disable the, uh, the enemy 
which is us. Uh, they want to disable our ability to respond. So it would probably precede a kinetic uh, warfare attack or attack on Taiwan as well. Um, that was the conclusion of the DOD, and I think they're, they're correct. China has found a way to dodge steep U.S. tariffs as America tries to move away from Chinese goods. Data shows Chinese imports are coming through from Mexico. According to trade data analyzed by the Financial Times, the number of containers shipped from China to Mexico reached over 880,000 in the first three quarters of last year. That's nearly a 30 percent increase from the same period the year before. The rise came as Mexico overtook China as top exporter to the U.S. last year. President Donald Trump slapped hefty tariffs on trade with China, pushing to shift supply chains away from China and reshore manufacturing. President Joe Biden has faced pressure to tighten up policy further as Beijing appears to be running trade through Mexico, Vietnam, Singapore and the Philippines without facing the same levies. Also looking to avoid hefty U.S. tariffs, Tesla's Chinese rival, electric car maker BYD, the top Chinese EV maker, is hitting the gas on overseas productions in the EV race as it considers a new plant in Mexico. BYD has launched a feasibility study for an EV facility in Mexico. The company is in talks with government officials over a location and other terms. This comes as BYD beat Tesla for the first time ever last year in global EV sales volume in the fourth quarter. But sales are concentrated in China, with offshore markets only making up 8% last year. The automaker is now expanding its global presence, opening facilities in Thailand this year, with plans to build in Hungary and Brazil. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus.ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you soon.